The Welsh Wire, where talent and business connect in West Michigan. The Welsh Wire features moderator Mike Rogers and professional recruiting expert Sherry Welsh in this weekly podcast. Listen in as leaders from a wide array of small to mid-sized West Michigan companies weigh in and share their experiences and insights on a variety of business topics, including employee retention challenges and recruitment success stories. Hi, this is Mike Rogers. In this week's show, Sherry presents excerpts from interviews with four West Michigan business leaders to get their best advice on attracting and retaining great employees. Up first is her chat with Jeff Disher of Disher Consulting and Brad Hillary, owner-CEO of Web Chemical Service Corporation. Jeff, tell us about Disher, who you are, and how you got started. Sure, yeah. Um, Disher is a nationally recognized uh, firm that does business consulting. We do talent attraction, so we help companies attract, hire, and retain talent. And then our biggest focus is in product development, helping companies develop products uh, all the way from concept into manufacturing, and then we help manufacturers produce those products efficiently and effectively. We've got offices in Michigan and Indiana, and we're about 160 uh, from a size standpoint, from a team standpoint, and uh, we work with a variety of customers in a variety of industries. Two big ones are furniture and uh, automotive. Oh, great. And then we have uh, a number of other industries uh, throughout the state mm-hmm. and uh, the region. Um, we've been recognized for our culture through Fortune magazine, which really helped from a, a branding standpoint to attract talent to Very our bad. team. And uh, it's something that we focus hard on at Disher is our culture and our mission statement, which is make a positive difference is something that everybody on our team knows. They know how they live into it every day with our clients, with our teammates, and with our community. So that's, I think, what makes us who we are in in the industries that we work with. And Wonderful. So, yeah. And you started the company how many years ago, Jeff? 19. We're actually on our 20th year now. So, oh, congratulations. Uh, yeah. yeah. In some ways, it seems just like yesterday. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Was yeah, this one so, of those started it in my basement, uh, you know, folding of, table kind of a thing? It was yeah. a card table kind of startup with uh-huh. a computer from home, although I wasn't at home, but it felt like that. And that was really a shoestring startup. Yeah. And so I had uh, uh, one customer that was you're going to use me for maybe 10 hours a week, but that was not a sustainable pace. So we had to um, build from there. But here we are 19 years later, about 160 people and um, a lot of great stories along the way, a lot of lessons that we've learned along the way. And And really the business has evolved quite a bit from starting out doing engineering and design consulting kind of services to really full scale business consulting and a, and, a variety of different aspects because you probably found as you got in to work with clients, the needs were great. Yes, very, very much so. And our growth was kind of organic. We had engineering work and then we had customers come and say, Hey, we like either your team or we like how you do things. Can you help us in those areas? And so for example, with web, um, how we worked with web was not in an engineering standpoint, but was more organizational uh, type of work. Right. And so it's, it has evolved beyond where I thought in the early days. Uh, but we've been opportunistic in how we've grown. Yeah. 
So yeah. yeah. So you've been helping for almost 20 years now, you've been helping companies grow, do what they do better, meet some challenges exactly. and help them get to the next level right. in whatever manner that is. You've really expanded the services. And sure. along the way, you connected with Brad Hillary. Brad, welcome. We're so glad to have yeah, you here. Thank you. Um, Brad's the CEO at Web Chemical in Muskegon and one of your clients at Disher, yes. Jeff. So tell us a bit about Web and how you got connected with Jeff, Brad. Well, thank you. So Web Chemical uh, has been in West Michigan now 55 years. Uh, I'm second generation. Oh, great. Uh, my father was uh, involved in the company up until 2010 uh, when I took over. And uh, we operate in Mi- Michigan, Indiana, and Ohio okay. as a full-line chemical distributor. So okay. we're not making any chemicals, but we're bringing them from all over the world, uh, repackaging them, and then re-delivering them into the tri-state area. If oh, you okay. And for any particular type of industry? or oh, It's across the gamut. Okay. It, it, uh, it's one of those industries that a lot of people don't know about, mm-hmm. but just about every manufacturer out there uses a chemical somewhere in their facility. Sure. Cleaning, processing, actually in the making of their product, painting, water treatment, pharmaceutical, you name it, they're using these raw chemicals somewhere in their organization. Uh, We have stocking points in Fort Wayne, Indiana, Muskegon, Michigan, as well as rail terminal uh, in Toledo. Wow. Quite a big operation then. Yeah. we're, We're actually now just almost 110 employees. Nice. And it's a lot of fun every day. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. It sounds like it. So things are going great. You're second generation, but you hit some challenges a few years ago in your business that caused you to reach out maybe to Jeff and connect with Disher. Yeah. So how we connected with them was was quite interesting. So we started to realize there was something not right in the organization, but we couldn't put our finger on the pulse. Yeah. And so we went to different trainings. We researched different trainings, not necessarily strategic planning. Mm-hmm. We, knew, we knew that wasn't what we needed. Uh, and I did some research on top companies and what they did for retention and culture, and Disher's name came up. Interesting. And so I read a couple of the things of what they had done, and then uh, my sales manager, Kurt Schultons, ended up at a meeting with another Disher representative and said, hey, you should come to Zealand. We have this white wall room, and my sales manager loves white walls or whiteboards. <laughs> So you can just be creative and get it all out of you. Right? And he told me about Dish, and I'm like, okay, one plus one, maybe somebody's telling us we need to go talk with the folks right. over at Disher. And uh, and we did, and that was the beginning of the process. Oh, that's great. And it's interesting because you had shared with us earlier that you were in a spot where you were really growing rapidly. So it wasn't like you were in trouble or there was some big dark cloud. Things were going well, but you had this feeling that something wasn't quite right and you couldn't put your finger on it. Right. We had <clears throat> we had a lot of people who were working for us and working hard, but they weren't what I would call getting it. Mm-hmm. And what we come to find out was that with our rapid growth in sales came a rapid growth in employees. So today at 110 employees. I have 65 employees who have been there less than five years. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I have a whole new employee base that doesn't remember the good old days, right? right? They don't remember the culture when, as the CEO or owner, my father, he knew everyone's name, every every spouse's name, every kid's name, Yeah. because we had one shift, one location, 20 employees. You get your hands around it. 
Yes. Very easily. And and with that rapid growth too, Jeff, you can chime in. I mean, I've seen this happen before too. There's a lot of working in the business, but not on the business. Everybody's just trying to get orders out the door and keep customers satisfied. And no one's really looking at who are we becoming and how do yeah. we do what we do that gets lost yeah. along the way because you just get busy. Right, 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 right. It's so true. I think every organization goes through that. And there's, yeah. there's definitely different stages along the way, whether it's 10 people, 20 people, 50 people, 100 people, and you get to the point where I don't know everybody's name. I don't know everything that's going on. Um, How do I know that the culture is being lived out by everybody throughout the organization? Yeah, yeah. It's not necessarily a horrible challenge, but it's a challenge. And it's not, not, you're not comfortable there. You don't want to be there. With 60 new people, we had 60 new cultures coming into our culture. I think that's what we learned and what, what the problem was is when you were smaller and you add one person, they get used to the culture that you have. Yep. When you get bigger and you add 10 new people and then another 10 new people and then another 10 new people, that culture gets watered down it, and nobody knows what right. is going on. Exactly. Watered down was the thought that came to my mind yeah. too. Yep. I absolutely see that. So you at Web Chemical said, you know what, Jeff, let's sit down, let's talk. Jeff, you started working with Brad and his team about 2017, as I understand it, right? Yeah. So what was your approach when you first sat down with them? So the the first thing that that we suggested was to do an assessment, just to find out where are the people at, where what are they thinking? And the right. tool that we used was the Denison Organizational Culture Survey, or DOCS Docs Survey, and that's what we call it. And that's a a 64 question survey that everybody fills out in the organization. It's anonymous and it basically um, categorizes four areas and the health of those four areas. And those four areas are divvied up into more specific areas as mm-hmm. well. But you get a good snapshot of, of where people are at, um, what they think about the organization and how the organization is performing. And so it's, it's a good snapshot. And from that, uh, you can then figure out what your game plan is. Yeah. Where are the areas? Where are the gaps that I need to focus on? And it definitely showed some positive areas, but it showed some areas of opportunity as well. And it's a survey that we do on ourselves as well. We do it every two years, just kind of as an assessment, a health checkup. Um, so that's where we started. And that exposed some areas that you needed to pinpoint yeah. right down on. So what did that right. show that you needed to do? Yeah, and you can you can jump in as well. Web. But I think there's... Um, the areas for improvement were just that, like Brad said, that there's this generation that had been there a long time. Mm-hmm. And then you have the, the team that's been there less than five years. Yeah. And just you have just not only age differences, but the historical knowledge right. difference. And, hey, that's not the way we used to do it. And, well, but this is the way people are doing it nowadays. And you get you get that conflict. Mm-hmm. So that was in there. Um, just the uh, access, access to leadership. I think was another one is you talked, hey, I, uh, my dad used to say good night to everybody, you know, on, on all the shifts and, yeah. and uh, or maybe brought donuts in on Saturday or whatever. But yeah. it's just logistically impossible to do that when you get to the size that, that they are. So um, how do you um, still have that access? Uh, but with the larger organization mm-hmm. was another opportunity. And you mentioned, you know, a number of new people coming in that don't know the culture they're bringing their own culture in and so there's a, there was an opportunity for an onboarding process that uh got them acclimated in the right way uh-huh. uh, yeah and with the right information and in a way where they immediately start understanding the culture and aligning to that culture right and without 
tools to help, then it's just kind of a free for all when that happens. So that was another area of opportunity. Good. And within that is, is this mission of why, why do we exist? What's our purpose? Who are we? That was Jeff Disher of Disher Consulting and Brad Hillary, owner and CEO of Web Chemical Service Corporation. Now we'll hear Sherry talk with John Barry, president of Shupan Aluminum and Plastic Sales, a division of Shupan and Sons. Shupan is a really unique company. I mean, not only because it's a family-owned business for several for two generations now, but you operate with a unique perspective mm-hmm. and a company culture. Um, you've described it as sounding something like we treat our employees like family. You mm-hmm. say things like we're inspired to help others. We do things because it's the right thing to do. Tell us more about that, John. Well, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, in its most simplistic form, I mean, that is how we really approach all of our employees. I mean, when we hire someone, we really do consider them a part of the family. And, you know, our, our hiring process is, uh, many times can be quite long. But a lot of the reason for that is that, you know, ph- philosophically, when we hire an employee, the goal is to have them retire from here, quite sure, frankly. Sure, of course. Um and, you know, when you look at the tenure of a, of a shoe pan employee across all of our divisions, uh, the average tenure is, is probably 10 to 12 years. Um, many of our, many of our managers and, and folks on our leadership team, you know, they started out, uh, working on the shop floor or driving a forklift or, or what have you. And, yeah. um, you know, are, are really helping lead a, a quite, you know, a quite diversified company today. Right. Right. And your core values, you really stress core values to the people. We do. In your organization too. You, and you live that. Yes. Yeah. You know, one of the things that, uh, you know, we're, we're very, very involved in the community. One of our core values is being inspired to help others. And, uh, we really, we really, uh, try to, to live up to that, not just in terms of taking care of our, of our employees, but really trying to do more in the community as well. Um, Mark's, you know, Mark's mother used to have a saying that, uh, basically someone's got to do it and might as well be us. But if we're mm-hmm. successful, you know, we have a responsibility to give back to the communities in which we live and certainly in the employees that have, have helped make, make us who we are. Right, right. And aligning with those core values, you care for your employees and give to your employees in some pretty unique ways. Special. It's really special. Mm-hmm. So tell us more about some of the things that you do, like, Tell our listeners about the Thanksgiving gift. Sure, yeah. That's one of my favorite times of the year. I would say there's probably, I don't know, there's a whole host of different things that we do, but some of the ones that come to mind, uh, every single Thanksgiving, and we've been doing this for probably the last uh, 40 years, if not uh, if not all 50 years. Oh, wonderful. But uh, during Thanksgiving, uh, we give every single employee, whether they're a shoe pan employee or a temp employee, everyone gets a, a turkey uh, for Thanksgiving. And it's not a gift certi- certificate. It's a 13-pound it's a turkey that they're able to take home or give to another family member. Um, and it's it's a really fun time of year. I, mean, I bet. That is re- that like so the truck wheels up and come on out and get your turkey. Here you yes. go. That's really fun. Really fun. And you do an employee picnic. Mm-hmm. That's pretty amazing also. Complicated by the fact that you've got these different locations, including folks down in Indiana. Yep. And you bring them all together, right? You- we do. Yeah. I mean, that. so the company picnic has been, uh, it's obviously, uh, it's mushroomed over the years. Um, you know, when the company started out, we had we had six employees and we have 600 now. But uh, to give a little perspective, so we, with the last couple of years, we've done the, done the company picnic uh, at the Kalamazoo Air Zoo. Wow. Uh, we, and we've done it at the, uh, the Growlers baseball field. Oh, uh, but we have, we have anywhere between a thousand and 
1,300 employees, uh, when I say employees, them and their families. Of course, um, yes. That, that come to that company picnic, and we have face painting and a lot of activities for the for the children. Um, but it's a really, really good time to get everyone together. We're able to give a, a little bit more of a company update, if yes. you will. So people, you know, many times in our organization, because we are so spread out, uh, it's hard to get it's hard to get all the employees to understand the full picture of what we do. Sure, I can understand that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, like this year when we when we were at the Air Zoo, we had a lot of our different trucks that we that we use to service our customers, uh, which are all different. Uh, they're not just they're not just normal uh, eighteen wheel flatbeds, if you will. Right. So we have a lot of information that we're able to share at that at that company picnic, and it's just a really good opportunity to get everyone together. Yeah, build community within the organization and help folks see even in their small location. While well, I'm really a part of something much much bigger in this organization, and, yeah. and still still feel very connected to it. Yeah, many meeting. times uh, many times we'll actually provide busing. Uh, so for our locations in Ohio or Indiana or even Detroit, we'll provide a bus to to get um, you know those who are have a little bit of a challenge to get all the way over here to to be able to join us. Sure. Sure. And then you also had mentioned about a gas bonus. That is a unique thing that you did for your employees starting when there was a big spike in gas prices several years ago. Was that right, John? Yes. Yes. So this goes back probably, uh, oh gosh, probably five or six years ago. But uh, when when gas was approaching $5 a gallon, we knew that um, you know a lot of our employees were coming from uh, from quite a long distance and we wanted to help them out in terms of being able to get to work and 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 uh, in a safe manner yeah so uh, we instituted a gas bonus that we uh, we never never uh, uh, suspended I mean, obviously gas is is half of, of what it was back then although it is creeping up <laughs> it is uh, but yeah we've, we've kept that gas bonus uh, for probably the last seven or eight years and uh, it's just it's it was the right thing to do at the time for sure right right but one of the most unique things, all these things are great. One of the most unique is what you've done recently for your employees, opening an employee health clinic, and it's right around the corner mm-hmm. from your largest division's headquarters. That is a really cool thing. Tell us about how that came to be. I think our listeners are going to be fascinated to hear this story. Yes. So the, the we're really excited about the new healthcare clinic. Uh, Who, whose idea was it? Well, it was kind of is kind of interesting. So we ended up partnering with a, a local company here in town called Fabrical. They're a food um, food packaging company. Uh, they're quite large, but they they really really um, mesh well with with our company as well. Our, our core values and the way that we treat our employees are are so so similar. Um, and so our Mary Francis uh, Oliphant, our HR director, was was speaking with their HR director one day and. You know, obviously the, the healthcare, uh, challenge came up in terms of how expensive everything is and, and just, you know, the, the, um, the lack of care. I think we can all, you know, acknowledge that sometimes when you go to the doctor, you feel like you're, you're, uh, you're not getting maybe the attention that you need. True that. Yes. Uh, so we really, we decided to partner with Fabrical. You need about a thousand employees to make, to make a clinic like this work. Um, so we had that critical mass we did. between the two organizations. Yep. Uh, and so basically, we uh, it took us about a year, probably about a year and a half to actually get the clinic fully up and running. I mean, we you know we built a facility. It's a modular, uh, modular uh, facility, uh, but it's right on the corner of um, of our shoe pan aluminum and plastic sales division, the one that I'm responsible for. We have about we have about 250 employees at this location, so it's very very convenient for them. And then our our three scrapyards are really close, so it's convenient for our scrap employees to come over. 
But uh, you know, we've really we've varied the hours, so it's not a traditional eight to five clinic. Um, Which, if you're really going to serve the needs of your employees, that's what it has to be because they're working all different hours, all different shifts, right? For sure. For and sure. And some some of the most critical needs may happen at those times when. There is an access to medical care anyplace else, right? No doubt about it. And you know, the nice thing about the clinic is that it's it's open to any Shupan employee and their family as oh, long as they're great. on the our healthcare plan. Um, but yes, yeah, Sherry, I mean, we are so we're open uh, a number of different hours just to make sure that we can service our off shifts. Uh, but the real goal was was really to um, provide better care to our employees. Um, you know they have uh, they have very difficult jobs and everyone uh, you know everyone most people have have uh, a very busy life with family and everything else and we wanted to make it as convenient as possible for all of our employees and their families to get adequate health care. Right, right. And you've done an awesome job with putting that together. That was John Barry, president of Shupan Aluminum and Plastic Sales, a division of Shupan and Sons. Finally, Sherry talks with Kevin Murphy, president and co-owner of Miniature Custom Manufacturing of Vicksburg. Everybody makes widgets. Everybody has in- equipment and that. Sure. The only thing that you can do differently is how you, how you manage, how you develop your culture. Mm-hmm. And, and, I, and I come back to that word culture. It's very important. Um, culture, having a strong culture is, is the number one. It's the, it, people say sales are the lifeblood of an organization. I agree with that. But right behind it is your culture. Because without a strong culture, you're going you're gonna to turn people over. Yeah. You're, it, it just... I just that word resonates so hard with me. Culture. So, what does that mean here at MCM? What does that look like? Feel like mm-hmm. that culture? So, so we manage our business on three things: it's people first, quality second, production third. And so that people first, I, I, I believe in the golden rule: you treat, you do one to others, that you want others to do to you. I, I never ask someone to do something that I wouldn't do myself. Number one, we we get other people to own their positions to lead. Um, we're not micromanagers. We, I'm not gonna, I, I don't like task people. Mm-hmm. I like thinkers. I don't like doers. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you gotta, the world's gotta have both, but, sure. um, we, we really work on coaching, teaching and development, um, teaching in the moment. So there's a situation that happens. I'll stop even in a, even in a production meeting, I will stop our production meeting to teach and work with that individual right there in the moment. And, and, and from great. a leadership style, I'd say that is my style is teaching and development in the moment. Um, and I've, I've tried to emulate that with our staff and, and, and we work very hard on don't tell someone to do something, teach them, yeah, work with them, have them understand how to do it so that they can pass that down the chain. Beautiful. Just barking orders at someone isn't how you're going to build a strong culture. Right. Teaching someone, developing someone into a leader is how you're going to develop a strong culture. What does that mean for your employees? I, I'm just guessing that they respond to that really, really well. Loyalty there, turnover must be next to nothing. So I've never been a yeller. Um, I've never been a screamer. I've never, I've never, um, if we have to discipline, obviously we'll sit down and have a conversation, but I encourage people to make mistakes, make aggressive mistakes. And and, and why? I guess for myself, that's how I've learned growing, Mm -hmm. growing this business is I've, I'd be lying to say I haven't made a ton of mistakes. Mm-hmm. Some of them are calculated mistakes. You know, you, you take risk, whatever, and it doesn't work out sure. and it's considered a mistake, but go out and make them. Yeah. Cause that's how, that's the best, that's the best learning lesson you can. Right. You're never going to forget that mistake. You're, you're going to say, I don't want to do that again. Right. How do, how do I change? How do, how do I, how do I think differently the next time? So that, that's what we try to emulate here. And, and 
you know, I, I'd be lying to say it's not hard mm-hmm. um, to manage, quote unquote, man- I'm going to call it lead people. Right. I, don't, I don't like the word manage. I like the word lead. We struggle to lead millennials. Um, it's mm-hmm. very, but the thing I've learned with that is it's all about your culture. Yeah. And, and, and so well, I, finding the right fit for individuals within that generation that fit your culture, because I, I think, and tell me if you think this is wrong, but, I, you know, I think to a large extent, we sort of say millennials look like this and we put a label on them. They're all the same. Well, you and I wouldn't like that if someone put. No, a label I'm technically on us. considered They're, a millennial. I'm 36 years old. So, and clearly, you um, don't think like "quote unquote" the millennials. I don't. Right? I, don't I don't necessarily like that word, um, right? Because so it's become that, a negative connotation. It, it absolutely has, and, and and labeled as a group of people that we can't work with or are difficult right. to work with That's and right. make unrealistic demands. But and, and you know what? I think in every generation there are folks like that, but there are also a lot of folks who think differently and obviously have fit your culture really well. Because you've got. I, I looked around here. You've got. Quite a few millennials. We've got quite a few young people, yes. In this organization. Um, and they're doing good jobs for you. So so one of the things well, what do you what do you do? How do you work with them? You need your business, your culture needs to evolve. Yes. You you can't you can't just today say that I'm gonna set my culture and say that this is the way it's gonna be always. You have to be willing to change. Yeah. And, and leadership is about change management. Yes. And and if you can change other people's thought process, how they act, how they do, whatever, just the word change. Mm-hmm. If people, if you can get your people willing to change, the sky's the limit. Right. Oh, absolutely. Because we're working in a world right now that's changing at breakneck pace. That's correct. Like never that's before. Correct. So if you can get people comfortable with that and embracing that, you're a winner. And then if winner. you can get them out of their comfort zone. Yeah. Not into there's three there's three levels. I, I I've read a lot of business books. I've read a lot of just you name it books. And and a do you couple, have a favorite? Good to great. Okay, and tell me why that is. Because we try to emulate this at MCM. It's it's about hiring good people, and then it's about getting them on the right seat on the bus. Mm-hmm. So so a lot of times in an interview, yeah, I can look at your experience or I'll sit down with you, but I'm interviewing you as the individual. I want to. Most people are smart and they can learn. If you have core, good core competencies, I, I, aside from, you know, having an accounting degree or something that you're specific in, but our project manager never had any project experience before she came here. Our customer service manager never had customer service before she came here. So how, what do you do in your hiring process mm-hmm. without that previous experience or track mm-hmm. record to show that they can do it? What do you do to make sure that when you're hiring them, they can do what you think they're capable of. Um, How do you know that? I, I like a lot of the star method situation action result. Yeah. Um, I, I like I like to ask them, tell me about a time when. I, I give them scenarios. How would you handle this? Um, ask them about their family. Mm-hmm. Ask them about their upbringing. Not that I'm judging someone on that, mm-hmm. but I want to understand what makes this person tick. Sure. What, what drives them? Is it, are you... Kids, what you know, whatever, right. whatever it is, um, how do you do what you do? Mm-hmm. You know, what what do you what's in, what's important to you in life? What are you looking to get out of this life? Mm-hmm. You know, do my values align with yours? Do do I do you? Where do you see yourself in five years? Yeah. These are important things. And when someone can say to you, "Well, I don't know," that's probably not the right fit. Right. I, I want right. a, I want a driven individual. I want someone that is going to run through brick walls and not be afraid to. Mm-hmm. I want someone that's not a, that believes in themselves. I, I want someone that's willing to fail, willing to take a little bit of risk. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, this, I'm going to stay inside my box and, and never leave it. 
it's not a good fit for someone in this company. Yeah. And, and, and for most companies, I don't think that's a great fit. That was Kevin Murphy, president and co-owner of Miniature Custom Manufacturing of Vicksburg. Thank you for listening to The Welsh Wire. We hope you'll join us for the next episode. For more information, visit welshandassociates.net.